are now listening to the Civic Hacker Podcast. I'm your host, Lori McNeil. For more, go to civic-hackers.org. Thank you for tuning in to the Civic Hacker Podcast. This is Lori McNeil, founder and director of the Civic Hacker Network and the Civic Hacker Summit. And person in the AI product development team voted most likely to ask about ethics. Given the opportunity, you could probably provide an earful and then some of feedback for your various elected officials and public service providers. We all have things that we don't like and things that just get us riled up enough to actually show up to public meetings and deliver sternly worded statements. It's not only important that our voices are heard, we want to be understood. We want those in a position to act, to understand where we're coming from, to understand the context of our feedback. Now, we all expect that this kind of hearing and understanding can happen in an individual exchange, but how can you do that at a scale that includes everyone? More voices not only heard, but understood, contextualized. And with scaling that good stuff, how do we avoid scaling the bad? What are the ethical pitfalls? Digital approaches help us with scale, but also introduce more equity issues. In this episode of the Civic Hacker podcast, we hear from Dario de Viedma, product manager at CityBeats, about how they are thinking about and addressing these issues in their algorithms, processes, and data products. Listen in. Dario, welcome to the Civic Hacker Summit. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Laurie. I'm super happy to be here. Awesome. Well, this has been actually quite a bit of time in the making, I think, because even though I haven't been in touch with you previously, um, I have talked to your colleagues. Um, I was like, how can I get this going in my area? So um, I'm really um, glad to speak to you and get this um, information out to others. And hopefully, you know, some of my civil society partners as well will learn more and we'll be able to use this amazing um, tool set that you guys have developed. Yeah, of course. Everyone inside CTBs was so jealous when I told them I was chatting to you and when I told them about your network, because uh, I mean, it sounds sounds so incredible and everyone in CTBs is also very involved in uh, civic civic hacking and uh, ethical AI. Yeah. So awesome. Well, let's um, get into the you know kind of basics um share a little bit about your background and your role at city beats and um give kind of the quick 101 of what city beats is and does yeah of course so um i started working at city beats three years ago uh, as a data analyst um basically what i was doing was using our machine learning and natural language processing algorithm to help our customers, and I will go farther into our customers now, to help them get insights of what people are saying, what are the main citizen trends, needs that communities are expressing on social media, digital outlets, uh, surveys. And then I evolved into being a product manager, so managing um, our different uh, social monitors um, that we have in different countries. So I have a background as a political scientist. So I'm interested in working with governments and institutions to make their policy making and decision making more um, citizen aligned. So this is that's why I'm super, super happy and aligned with the ethics of CityBeats. Um, basically, I, I wanted to start this interview with a um, personal story. Uh, my first job 
was like five years ago. I was living in London and I worked as an interviewer for the council. So I was in the street of London, like under the rain with an iPad, talking to everyone and asking them, do you like this bench? Do you like this park? How do you think this street should be redone? And um, when I would talk to people, they would grab me, grab my hand and tell me their whole lives. Like, you know, my daughter is in high school or, you know, my business uh, is bad or, you know, my wife is having this problem because it was the first time that institutions asked them their opinion about life. So they would like just uh, throw it all to me, um, which is that like, after this job, I decided to, to start working at City Beats. And yeah, basically uh, it started, I think, seven years ago as a social movement. It was called Social Coin, and it was actually trying to empower citizens to make favors to each other in exchange for a coin. So you would uh, do a favor, no, you would receive a favor and then get a coin. Uh, so you would have to do a favor to someone else and give them the coin. So this started flowing around the world. And we realized that we had tons of data of how people are helping each other. So what they need and what they are doing for, for others. So then we got funding from the European Commission to build our technology which basically, like I said previously, does an ethical collection of data published online. And then with our natural language processing, um, kind of like selects and identifies trends that can be interested, interesting to decision makers. So then um, um, the WHO, the World Bank, the UN, different investment banks um, are buying licenses to use our, our software so that they get uh, these insights on, and see how to help people. So this is basically a summary of me and then of the company. Right. So it's like um, Dario, the interview at, interviewer at scale. That's what City Beats is. Uh, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks for uh, giving us that quick overview. And um, you mentioned, you know, the ethical collection of data. Um, so this is something that, you know, I have, uh, you know, read from you guys, like um, this ethics as a value, you know, really for City Beats. And so, you know, for your work, you know, in, in your role developing the products, um, you know, how does that get incorporated? And um, I know a lot of us in the, the business of data collection for various, you know, reasons, especially digitally, um, every time Apple, like, says they're going to have a new privacy thing, it's like, ah, <laughs> like, what am I going to lose? But, you know, um, so, yeah, just curious about the data ethics side of it, how that um, affects your product decisions and then how, you know, technologies um, move, moving, uh, I guess, improving privacy just built into the products themselves and to browsers, you know, how is that impacting what you guys do? Yeah, um, this is a question we are often asked, and I'm afraid I cannot go into specifics because I'm not in charge of like the more like data acquisition part mm -hmm. and the GDPR policies. Yeah. However, I, I know the philosophy and something that we insist a lot on is that we need to be at least two steps farther of the like state-of-the-art ethics of data collection uh, imposed by countries and by data suppliers, because otherwise, like like you already said, as soon as they make a change and we cannot keep collecting data from them, uh, it's like a stop to our business. So that's why I believe that in terms of ethical data collection, startups like CTBits and others 
uh, need to be in the avant-garde, need mm. to like see towards uh, ethics are, is go or regulation is going so that they can like start building on that. So many times we are implementing limits or ways of structuring our data that are some some people could say that are too extreme in terms of privacy, but we prefer to be extreme rather than regretted when policy is changed. Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And, you know, hats off to you all. Like So many people in the interest of profit are would do the minimum. Right. <laughs> so but yeah, it's a, definitely a smarter long term um, view there of you know how we can approach it. And so I think something that is um, leading edge, I guess, uh, that you all I've noticed are doing that you've rolled out a transparency page and you're starting. Yeah. So I guess I'll let you explain, like, what are some of the um, leading um, at the initiatives that you guys are putting out there that are really um, leading in in data ethics and um, transparency? Well, you you have a lot of knowledge of CityBits because the transparency page is literally our latest release. Yeah, <laughs> we just added nosy. it. In... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm I'm super glad. This is great feedback for us, actually. So, um, we saw that uh, the policymakers that we work with, and also the academics that are writing papers with our data, are super strict with the representativity and basically knowing everything about the data they're working with. It's not like they say, yeah, we have a great machine learning algorithm. We we just use it. No, they need to justify every decision they make based on the model they used. They need to have a transparent methodology. So th this was like a request that we were having and we had to go into the data, calculate the demographic segmentation of the data, um, how the model, the performance of the models, like explain everything and send it to them. So instead of having to do that work every time they were requesting it, we decided to add a new page to our dashboard where, so um, just in, so that you visualize, you have one main page where you see the analysis. So what main topics are being said by countries, what, which are the trends, um, the, the top narratives, top stories. But then you can also go into the transparency page and check how many, what percentage of women are saying this or of men, um, the age groups that are expressing this, in what languages they are expressing it for like bilingual or polyglot countries, um, how the models are performing with like what precision, accuracy, recall they're showing like in real time so that when reports are written, they can also include all these metrics. And this is giving uh, more rigor to, to our insights. Yeah. And you know, does, did how, was that difficult? Like, are you all concerned about the, your clients choosing to make your transparency page more public? Because I can imagine like there would be some like um, hesitation with um, giving away information that could be seen as your competitive advantage in this space. Um, is there anything like that where, you know, do these officials have the option of making their transparency information available to their all, you know, just to the public, to the constituents, or is the agreement kind of like, this is for you as the official, but you know, don't put it on your city website. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I was uh, waiting to drop the news at the end of the interview, but I will do it now uh, based on your questions. Uh, we have we breaking are going news. 
<laughs> we have breaking news exactly um i love giving breaking news and uh, this time i have great breaking news to give so i'm going to enjoy it um mm -hmm. we're going open source uh, we are okay. building an open source data science community which we call um, ethical ai community and we are already accepting data scientists uh, hackers or citizens from wherever in the world to help us make our technology more inclusive more diverse uh, more open and this is, uh, I think, uh, our way to scale and to make our technology even better. So the answer to that is uh, the more transparent we are, the better. So okay. so no, I think that uh, we should like publish as much as we can slowly because it's a process that uh, requires time. But yeah, it's yeah. our direction. Oh, OK. How cool. So we can all get involved. Everybody, you heard it here first. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. please. Uh, like, uh, if you need more information, uh, mm -hmm. chat to us and uh, join the waiting list or the Discord channel because uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Awesome. Well, that's pretty cool. Thank you for um, bringing, you know, announcing that here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very uh, privileged here. Um, so, speaking of, uh, I was, you know, being concerned for you all's uh, competitive advantage, but um, <laughs> what uh, there's a distinction that I um, have seen that is made between, you know, just these other platforms that do social listening and what city beats, you refer to it more as, you know, social understanding. So can you talk about that difference? Um, you know, and yeah. Yeah. This is often a, a comment that we receive, like, is this social listening? And we say no, because uh, social listening and social understanding, which is what CTBits does, uh, have two core differences, which are related to the aim and the technology. So uh, the aim, the difference in the aim is that social listening might be addressed to see what people are saying about one product. So for example, you want to know what uh, people are saying about the summit that you uh, that will be happening, like Civic Hacker Summit, like this from the second to the fourth of November, right? Mm -hmm. um, you want to know if people want to attend, if they are having problems registering, like all the sorts of opinions around this specific thing. However, uh, social understanding is more related to the context. Maybe you want to see what people are scared related to te about technology or. Um, what uh, young uh, STEM professionals want to do with their free time or, you know, like more uh, context related uh, things. So based on this very different philosophy, obviously the technology is shaped different, differently. Uh, for social listening, you do a very specific search and then you get the results. And maybe if it has a good enough algorithm, you can also like get some insights and trends. However, for um, social understanding, we are building algorithms that I mean, you can do a specific search as well, but it's really not the aim of the of the model. It's more to see what people are saying about broader topics, which is why we we are building a model based on context instead of like specific search. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for um, breaking that down. So, yeah, speaking of the context, so I have been curious about um, you know a lot in the U.S. Um, we're you know, heading into elections here, short, very short period of time, and there, there is a in smaller jurisdictions, especially, the feeling that there is a vocal minority um, that is maybe not representative of everybody in the community, but 
you know, that's who, you know, the officials only, you know, can respond to who they hear from. Um, and so I was curious with, you know, the technology and, you know, the, being able to provide, you know, this context, like how do you, um, or do you feel that you all um, help with that, that issue of, you know, a vocal minority or even just people that don't have access to um, some of the places where you're listening, um, you know, like rural areas. I know you guys have uh, done work, you know, across the, the digital capability spectrum, you know, looking at, um, you know, what technology people just have access to in their jurisdiction. So can you talk about some of the, I guess, equity issues and fairness um, around, you know, the voices that get elevated um, when this technology is in place. Okay, yeah, uh, fair enough. The Your first point about the vocal minority, I'm not too familiarized with US politics, unfortunately, so I don't really know exactly. <laughs> well, we have our issues here in, in Europe as well, trust me. Um, but um, I don't know who they are, but I know that vocal minorities are a problem for our democracies, for sure. and. The big problem is that they are built to appear on top, like on top of your feed. So they they know exactly the how they have to speak, the hashtags they need to use so that they appear on top of your feed in different social media. So that's why it's a problem, because everyone sees them and everyone believes and often uh, journalists as well, that this is the truth and this is like the consensus. Or it also happens with polarization. Sometimes you just see like two groups fighting about something, but then like the overall population is like consensual about the topic and they, they're not fighting about it, right? So th that's partly why we're doing what we're doing, which is instead of taking the data that appears in your feed, we're taking the whole of data. So, okay. so those comments and also the comments of people saying like, I'm eating pasta tonight, right? Like absolutely everything. And we put it in the same box. And then we use our models to classify it and to quantify. So we can actually, when we quantify it, we actually see how, how vocal it is and how of a minority it is, because we, we see how many voices are, human voices are actually saying this and how they are, what they are using to spread their their content and actually some some of our clients really want to see to see like the core of this like what real citizens are saying which is often more less polarized and less like uh let's say fight like in a fight mode than mm -hmm. as the vocal minority but others also want to see what bots and what uh, these people who are super like into appearing on your feed what they want to say is because it's like people shouting in the street. I, I use all this metaphor because if someone goes to the street and starts shouting, it's because they really want to their message to be heard. So at least it's also important to clients to see what these people are using resources to build bots to, although we, we try to, to, to identify patterns in bots so that we can filter them. Yeah. It's also important to see what bots are saying so that at least we see who has this uh, like interest of building bots basically. And then going on to the other part of your question of underrepresented communities of people who don't have so much access to the internet. Um, we are aware of this and obviously uh, we know that our data collection is uh, more skewed towards uh, people who have access to the internet, which is why we, in this transparency page, we give a very detailed overview of the demographics of the people that of whom we've collected data from. But we 
also want to reach other parts of the population, which is why we are not only collecting data from others, we're also creating our own data. We are sending surveys onto people's phones and um, they they are getting paid for replying. So what are your main concerns today or this week? Or do you have food at home? Or um, can you take a photograph of the of your local supermarket so that we can see the food availability? Mm-hmm. And this is, or even go to a poorer community than yours that doesn't have internet and ask them their main concerns. So we are actually empower, empowering citizens to ask other citizens and provide an overview of how they're living, which is part of our core philosophy, which is to empower people to listen and help to each other. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we are going towards more representative data. Right, and what an amazing, I mean, yes, we're, you're um, collecting data that you wouldn't otherwise be able to bring into um, the picture. And, I can imagine that really has an impact on, you know, the type of models that you can make, you know, like, you know, what you're able to train, you know, <laughs> train your algorithms to see and hear. And um, then also it's kind of a service to get people asking their fellow community members about, you know, just a non, you know, you can think of something, I can't think of anything less confrontational and more kind than just asking someone else, like, what are your concerns, Right. Like you were saying with your first job, <laughs> someone asked you and it's like, wow, <laughs> let me talk to you about everything. So, yeah. People are very keen to to speak. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, I don't want to end this without um, hearing, you know, from you, like it's obviously, you know, very amazing um, service uh, that you're offering to, you know, civic leaders Thank and you. I'm sure that um, it's very rewarding work to see, you know, the good that can come of it. So I, we definitely, you know, this is a, a hopeful and hope building event. So I definitely want to let you share um, if you can, you know, a, a story or, you know, of some, you know, in particular, um, in a story of impact that you are particularly um, proud of. Um, okay, uh, there are many. Uh, some of them I I can I cannot even find the words to express how proud I am, and mm-hmm. others I have a signed a privacy agreement. <laughs> so, I will share um, one or two if that's okay. So, uh, one of our customers wanted to know what uh, Panamanian businesses are struggling with. So, business owners or uh, clients of those businesses, what's happening in Panama during the COVID nineteen lockdown. So we started reaching out and collecting data from either business owners or clients, and we were able to see some sectors are lacking funding. Uh, For example, agriculture, uh, they were needing uh, to upgrade their technologies. However, agriculture professionals don't have the skills. So we were able to identify what which softwares or technologies they were needing training for, and we were actually so our report, our report helped uh, donors to fund training for agricultures to work, like to improve their digital skills to work on the on these areas. Other um, small and medium enterprises were asking for financing because they had not been able to pay for uh, like their latest debts. So they, I think that uh, they got like the whole like Panaman um, 
small and medium enterprises got uh, $150 million of funding mm. to be shared and to be able to become more resilient to the pandemic. Mm. Um, then we also saw in the Panama Canal that there's this very specific technical role that only exists there. And um, people were saying that these people are getting older and there's no replacement for them. So our, our clients were able to see this and are already started training a new generation of this type of engineers of the Panama Canal so that when the older ones uh, go to retirement, there will be a new generation. So these little things that when you talk to uh, to someone there, they will say, oh yeah, the problem is this. But if you don't talk to them, you will never know because you only look at like hard data. So the number of boats crossing or the number of like the production of the fields, but you don't talk to the actual people who are like will give you their concerns very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have to insist for them to give you their concerns. <laughs> right, right. Very cool. Um, well, do you have any, you know, last we already you know, had our breaking news and um, a call to action for folks who want to get involved in your um, open source AI um, projects. But did you have any other things you wanted to announce or um, calls to action for people before we sign off here? Uh, well, like uh, I was saving it for now, but I uh, I, I was uh, I think it was a good po- a good moment of the conversation to to announce it. But once again, I would like to insist that uh, although we are already collecting data from most countries in the world, we believe that our technology and our data collection needs to be built by regular and diverse people. Otherwise, it will always be skewed towards uh, the same people as usually who are the ones building the technologies and training the AI models. So the more people come on board, uh, the better it will work for understanding how everyone speaks. And so, yeah, I think this is very exciting. We are already seeing loads of interest uh, across the world. So, so yeah, if, if people in this network uh, would like to join, uh, we would be super happy. Awesome. All right. Well, I um, thank you again, you know, so much for coming and talking with us today. See you soon. Many thanks. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dario from City Beats. I produce this podcast in beautiful, far Northern California, and I want to just take this moment to acknowledge the Wintu people who, over the ages, have been stewards of this place. This is their ancestral and present home, and I'm committed to supporting work that they lead to meet the needs of their people. Thank you to Dario and the City Beats team for their inspiring work. If you're inspired to learn more or get involved, You'll find more information and links on our website, civic-hackers.org. That's also where you'll find a link to the Spanish language version of the interview to share with your amigos y amigas. Hey, hackers, let's do this again next week. I like you. If the feeling's mutual, go on over to civic-hackers.org to find out how to keep in touch. And with that, I'm Lori McNeil, wishing you all the good things between now and your next listen to the Civic Hacker podcast. In case you need a reminder, problems have solutions. Let's get to work.
The Civic Hacker Podcast is a production of Civic Hacker Network, a networking and support hub for people using data and technology to create positive change in their communities. The audio is edited by Lily Conway, and Kate Allison writes our scripts. The Civic Hacker Network is a nonprofit organization fiscally hosted by the Open Collective Foundation. Join the network for free at civic-hackers.org.